everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Welcome back. Uh, Hallie and I are excited to be on part three of Consciousness at Work. So Hallie, what have we covered for the first two sessions? Well, the first one, we really dove into what consciousness even means yes. and what it and why it's important to actually be conscious at work. The um, second part, we talked a lot about imposter syndrome, letting go, and the ego. Yes. Which is always a fun conversation. Yes, it is. And uh, hopefully what, um, and, and you asked me today before we got on this, we had these slides and we've kind of done the preparation for what we wanted to get out of this. And you said, okay, what do you want the people to take away from in part three, which is really all about um, conscious communication decision-making. Mm-hmm. However, when I started explaining it, and I just wanted to, to kind of paraphrase this, is like what hopefully the audience is, is listening and, and, and hearing is the fact that it's the same variation of the same thing, no matter what you're doing in life. If you're bringing consciousness to it, there's a form of letting go, acceptance, and then acting. But we're going to give some tactical examples about what conscious communication from emails to Zooms to um, decision-making and what does that look like with staff? What does it look like in your personal life? Yeah, I just, I mean, I, yeah. I always think examples are great because sometimes you don't even know if you're being conscious or unconscious unless you start to have those little signposts. I, I think about like, oh, if I approach this situation that way, that's conscious versus unconscious. You know what I found for most people too that are really taking this serious, um, when they start bringing personal growth, right? This, personal growth is the same thing as consciousness growth. There is no difference, right? It may make better sense for somebody to see it that way. And, and spiritual growth, would and you say? And spiritual growth is the yeah. same thing. It's just, okay. it, they're all the, they're all just different levels, but they're, they're saying the same thing, which is that you're working on yourself. And what, Typically, people don't have consciousness growth like Eckhart Tolle did, where he had like a he was completely unconscious, then woke up in a day, and his psyche was fractured to the point where he slept on a park bench for three years because he had so much enthusiasm and joy, like he couldn't interact in the world. It's actually interesting when you get uh, certified for transcendental meditation. One of the things they say is because when we get people certified for this in Project U, they go, "How do I do it faster?" <laughs> it's literally the number one thing for business people or just Type A personalities yeah, or high, whatever high high, high achievers. achievers yeah. like, I need this is great. This is amazing. And one of the books, how do we do it faster? Like, can I just go get this faster? Can I do three a day? And part of that is because you, your, your, your spiritual stability. Let me just define that. Sounds very Zen. Your stability, your, your ability to have that spiritual stability is your, your, your ability to handle this influx of energy. Because right now what you're doing is you're, you're pushing down so much energy that only a little bit is coming through, which is why when something really good happens, you feel amazing. And all of a sudden you feel this rush of energy. Imagine like you won the lottery and you had that energy that roared through you instantly, right? Multiply that times a million you wouldn't be able to interact with the world if you weren't being able to work your way up to handle that type of energy. So that's why it's the same thing with money. That's why most lottery winners are in a worse off financial situation because they haven't earned their right almost to handle that type of money. And even in business, I think about, I I remember when I first started like getting a cell phone bill for a hundred dollars, I was like, man, this is a lot of money. And then it's a thousand and it's 10,000, it's a hundred thousand, then it's a million. And then, you know, if you're Jeff Bezos, it's $14 million a day they spend or whatever it is. Right. So it's just, you learn the ability to handle different levels of, of, of either money or of spiritual growth or of conscious growth. So when we talk about consciousness or spiritual or personal growth, it's this, this energy that, cause what you're looking for in personal growth is to feel better, right? That's what people are looking for. They want to feel higher. They want, and certainly you can obtain different things. You can learn faster. All those things are, are, are byproducts of you being extremely, um, clear because the clearer you are, the faster you achieve actually what you're looking for. 
So when we think about having that, like that spiritual stability and not making it too fast, it's your ability to actually withstand and handle a new level of energy in your body. And, and so, but for most people when they're on this journey of personal and spiritual growth is that it almost sneaks up on them and then they have to look back on it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like all of a sudden it's like happened and they're not seeing it happen. And then all of a sudden they go, Oh, you know what? That didn't bother me over there. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, I'll give you an example. My brother, um, when I got him first meditating into TM, mm-hmm. and he started bringing that into play, he actually started exercising, and he started really kind of working on his spiritual and personal growth. And one of the, we were at a dinner for our party, and his wife um, was telling me the story. She's like, you know, your brother used to get really upset with these cars that were just driving in front of him, and he would just kind of like, like not freak out, but like mm-hmm. just being like, what the heck? Why is this car going so slow? And, and, and verbally kind of talk about it. And she said, yesterday we were driving this car, just was stopped and then made all these stupid decisions in the middle of the road, and they were. They were just n- not the right decisions. And he didn't even say a word about it. And I got home, and I was, I'm thinking the whole time, this is his wife saying this, mm-hmm. I was thinking the whole time being like, he didn't say anything. He didn't react. Like, what is he on? Like, what is he doing? And, uh, and then they started sharing that story about how like, he's like, yeah, I guess I didn't think about it. Mm, it didn't bother didn't bother me. Him. Yeah. And so it didn't shift his energy. And that's what I mean by it sneaks up on you because you're not paying attention to it anymore. So if it doesn't happen to you, it's not really until you kind of pause and go, you know what? That, that didn't bother me anymore. Or it could be, you know, a certain employee or a certain client or a certain vendor that you have used to bother you for the way they called you at a certain time or did or acted a certain way. Then all of a sudden they just slowly cease to just exist in terms of the way they bothered you. And then you start becoming this is this lightness that happens inside your life. And that's where people don't go when they start on these journeys. You're not hitting spiritual states their masters are in. Because the way it starts off is that you actually need to get yourself back to zero. <laughs> And that's why like seated in witness consciousness is not a high state. It's actually neutral. It's your neutral state. And then there's much higher states from there. But if you're constantly, constantly addicted to your mind into the stories that it, that it describes and talks and ideas and the concepts of who you are in the past and the future, if you're addicted to that, you're at a negative state. So we'll call it a negative five. So as you start to work, you start to go to negative four, negative three, negative two, negative one, back to zero when you're finally in a place where you can pretty much go through life and things aren't necessarily bothering you. Then you start working on higher states. And so that's what we mean kind of um, where it sneaks up on you. So people just be aware of this throughout their process. It's not the same for everybody, but for generally for the most, pop, most people that are going through this, it kind of just sneaks up on them. So, cause people be like, Oh, I just, I don't know if I'm really getting that far. And I go, well, how did you react to this situation? They're like, well, it didn't really bother me. I go, well, th- that's it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like people are looking like, okay, where's the spiritual growth? They're like almost looking for somebody to send them a note and says, here's your spiritual growth. Right. And like, and you get like this award that says that it's there. No, it's the award is that you don't get suffering. The reward is that you have lightness in your life. Not every moment, not every day, but just 10% less and then 10% less more and then 10% less more. But it's so gradual that you don't really notice it until you start hitting these, what I call like little tipping points, right? So maybe you get 15% on the way and you hit a tipping point because it's enough, it's enough void that's different that it feels different. Then it may take another 15, 20% to get to another little tipping point, right? It's kind of like your fingernails, right? When you're, they're growing. No, seriously, your fingernails are always growing, right? And you're like, I don't need to cut them. I don't need to cut them. I don't need to cut them. Then all of a sudden you look down one day and you're like, man, how'd they get so long? It's like it sneaks up on you in the same, in the same type of progression from here. But But it's not always, I think we're saying we are thinking the same thing here, but it's not always just in the elimination of suffering it's it's also maybe like you mentioned that lightness like maybe you're able to be more present or isn't that the elimination of suffering i don't know i mean i wouldn't necessarily define it that way it just to me that's almost like a positive like i'm able to 
because I, I wasn't maybe suffering before for being not as present necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I think that if, I think if people are not fully present all the time and living from there, then there's a level of suffering. Now, maybe the degree of suffering is varies, right? Cause this is where people get in traps. They go, I'm not suffering. Mm-hmm. And I, they go, cause my friend over here is going through divorce. They're suffering or my friend over here. And so you do this comparison where it's like, I'm not suffering as bad as this person. But until you feel absolute joy and enthusiasm, creativity every day, there's a level of suffering that's happening in your life. Now, it may be better than what it was, mm-hmm. but you're still a, there's still a level of, level of suffering that's in there. Okay. Got a question for you. Yes. So, okay. I, enthusiasm, joy, creativity, I almost see as like a high state. And I, I feel like being conscious is more of this new, almost like this, to me that sometimes is like, and maybe this is just how I express it because I yeah. can be an expressive person, but um, it feels like more exciting and, and I don't know, joyful and like this big positive energy versus just being conscious to me means c- calm, clear, neutral, um, what's the other word I want, maybe present and almost not that high state of joy and enthusiasm or, and neither is it this low state of, you know, unease or restlessness or resistance. It's, it's literally in between that, but that's not true. Well, you're right. Um, you're not wrong, but let me just kind of explain consciousness, right? So people get lost in that big word and they think they're looking for something that consciousness represents. Consciousness is, is wait or waking up or enlightenment, some form of enlightenment. Some people don't like to use that word because it's, they reserve it for masters, but just some form of enlightenment or consciousness. All consciousness means is that I'm no longer addicted to my mind. That's it. That's it. Period. I'm not listening to the stories. I'm not listening to the past event. I'm not listening to some future event. I'm not bought into some narration of the world that I decide to listen to. And these are examples that I give for consciousness. It's like you're standing in line ready to go buy something and the, and the line's going slower and the mind starts talking about why the line is so slow and why this person isn't moving fast enough. Why is that person doing that? When you're paying attention to that, you're unawake. Okay. Got a question for you on that. So let's go with that analogy. What if the person is standing in line and the line is going really slow, same Mm -hmm. situation. And they're like, Oh, this is perfect. I can keep listening to my podcast. This is perfect. I can, um, oh, there's, I can chat with some people in the line. So, you know, it can actually Absolutely. be the opposite. Yeah. That's still a story. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Still, it just you, doesn't always have to be negative. No, not at all. Okay. It's still a story, but just generally speaking, most people refer to that as negative. That's a better way of playing with the energy of where you're playing with it to manipulate the energy, to get the situation relatively. Okay. And that's what most people do. Yes. And if it was a conscious being standing in that line, well, how would they, there would just would be no story. Imagine they being, would just say, I'm sitting, you I wouldn't am, say anything. Oh, <laughs> that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, I just want to say like, I'm standing in this line. You're not saying anything. I am present. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why the hardest thing for people to do is there is yeah. no, what would your life look like if there was no story every moment? That's consciousness. Yeah. I, so yes, I totally, I, I get that. And then I think, oh, but I love stories and, um, I love imagination and creativity. Okay. You directing imagination and creativity is different than the mind creating a story that you pay attention to. There's two different things. The mind is wonderful. The mind is okay. a wonderful way That's to right. use. Yeah. However, if typically virtually 99% of humans are, there's a story being generated by the mind and they're just paying attention to it. 
when you use your mind for creativity or stories or storytelling with your kids, that's wonderful. That's you directing the mind though. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, this is an example and you probably were maybe thinking the same thing when I'm with my nephews and we're playing superheroes and we come up with this like, like crazy, like world. And we're, you know, Batman is doing this and the Avengers is doing this and like all this stuff. That's us consciously using our mind. Yes. Versus if I'm sitting there going, my God, I have to keep playing this damn exactly. game with my nephew. Yeah, like yes. that's, okay, I'm with you. I got and you. so you would ask the question is, is what would your life look like if there was no story until you wanted to use your mind to do whatever you wanted to do? Create, you know, create spreadsheets, create bottom lines, use it. Because the, the, even like right now, I'm not creating a story and then I'm talking. I'm just, I don't even know what I'm really going to say. Either do you, I mean, for a certain extent, you don't either necessarily, when you're in the flow of things and you're teaching, it just, it just comes out. Sure. Now, now, it, not years ago. Well, that's different. I'm just yeah. talking, there's practices you can put in yeah. play and you can get better at your craft. I'm right. not saying like you can direct yourself to get better at playing piano, be better at business. You can learn some techniques. Those are all wonderful things, but that's you directing your mind. However, the mind doesn't then, we start using a technique, the mind's going, I'm not getting this fast enough. That's not healthy. That's not consciousness. So consciousness is literally just so people understand all consciousness is saying, and now there's different variations of this, but at the basic level, consciousness is just that you are, you're being conscious to the point where you, you recognize that there's this annoying roommate, right? That Michael Singer talks about. Mm -hmm. There is just this annoying roommate called the mind that talks and you may not, it may, you're not going to stop it. You just don't ever listen to it. And when you're not listening to it, you're now conscious because typically if you're listening to it, what you're doing is you're not actually looking at the world. You who's back there is actually looking at the mind first because the mind's in front of you. So you're back behind the mind, the mind's in front of you, and then the world's out there. So the world comes in and hits the mind first. And it narrates. And it narrates. And then you're looking at the mind narrating the world instead of you looking past the mind Mm-hmm. or bo- behind it enough so you don't reckon you see the mind's just there and you're actually having the direct experience with life so i, I kind of have like an example and since we're talking about communication decision making this actually goes a little bit more i may be on communication as we're talking about like public speaking because that's a big one i i think i mean that's a huge sure, part yeah. of communicating right yeah. so i'm just gonna tell you the story and you tell me what happened <laughs> like interpret it for me so when a couple of years ago when we were at um the Keller Williams conference and I was on stage speaking in mm-hmm. front of I don't I know, remember this, yeah. like 10,000 people, something like that. Um, I pretty much couldn't breathe for like two days prior to definitely like the hour before I was having almost like a panic attack mm-hmm. and then got up on stage. I literally have no idea what happened. <laughs> yes. I have no idea what I said, but I think it came out intelligently yes. enough it did. for the moment that I was in. What, wh- how do you interpret that? Was that, that was that being cold, totally unconscious? No, that was actually being completely totally conscious. conscious. Okay, interesting. Because what you're, that's your first experience of you actually tapping into something that's far greater, powerful, more powerful, more creative, more intelligent than your mind. So think about this. Because I didn't know what he was going to ask or what yes. anyone was going to say. And it just... If you're trying to dig a hole the size of Texas, right? Just give this example. If you're trying to dig a hole the size of Texas and somebody gives you a shovel and says, good luck, you're going to go look at this tool I have. It's wonderful. And you're going to start digging. 
instead of somebody going like, here's this, here's a million cranes to go do this. And they're going to work nonstop 24 hours a day to go build this thing. It's like you're tapping into the shovel when you use the mind, instead of when you're tapping into consciousness, because you're no longer listening to the mind, you're tapping into the million cranes that are going to be going on every single moment of every single day. There's just such a far greater amount of clarity, intelligence, flow, effortless, all of that enthusiasm when you need it, joy. That's the highest. Those are the states that people that are just natural for people. So in, in that moment, I, it was, um, cause you didn't, it you was, didn't met, you didn't think about what you were going to say ahead of time. Exactly. I was going to say it was completely unintentional, but how do you intentionally become conscious? Well, you could, there's nothing wrong with preparing for a presentation. So you read what you're reading, you have everything that's there. Yeah. But I just, I just mean like my being conscious in that moment was like by accident. Yeah. How do, how do I think because your, your body almost like shut down. Yeah, pretty much. No, it's true. Like, (laughs) and this is what happens when people are in like, I I can, you equate this to like life or death situations where people (laughs) stop. Well, I'm not, but you get what I'm seeing. Like people stop all of a sudden. Or the other thing is I, I, people love this example. Like when they're skiing or mountain biking, when you're really going fast and you don't have time to use your mind, you're just in the flow and you're just acting. And people go, how did I just act from there? Mm-hmm. You're just acting from there because you're no longer, that's, that's actually how that is the flow of life. Athletes call that the flow all the time. Mm-hmm. They go exactly what you said. They, and comedians get in the same flow, right? It's people giving speeches, the same thing the way you did. You were just in the flow. And that flow is, I was just, just acting, like they didn't think about their movements. They just, they were, they had the foundation built, which you had the foundation knowledge. Right. So then you just, then it just, then it just flew out because you weren't trying to use your mind to make sure it was perfect. You just let it go. Right. Yeah. Because I don't know where the mind went. Yes. Well, the, actually the, the, the mind of, of trying to be in control went away. Yes. And then it opened it up for you to tap into a much larger source, which if you operate, that's what consciousness is. Mm. So conscious communication is removing that part of you that is trying to control the situation. It's trying to make sure the situation is perfect. It's trying to make sure that the situation goes the way you want it to so that you let go of that part. And then you're just in the moment. And then at that point, you are actually you're operating from the highest place that you can operate in that moment. Is it always going to be right? No. Is it always going to be the, the, the best choice? Yes. That's the difference. It doesn't mean that you, that's the highest and best choice you could have made in that moment. If you're tapping into that, it doesn't mean that you don't have to make another one. It just means in that moment, you made the highest choice possible. But does that, does that, I just want to make sure that we got, cause when we're talking about conscious communication, I just want people to ground themselves in what consciousness really is. It's not a thing. It's actually a removal of something. It's just, you're no longer, it's like the best way I can think of this is, is that I said before, it's just imagine what your life would be like walking around without this narration or out this story that's constantly being told that you're trying to, that you're paying attention to and then agreeing with. Yeah. And is that the same thing as letting go of the outcome? It's exact same thing. Yeah. This is all, all of this, all of life, business, personal relationships, all of this is your personal growth or not having um, expectations about how which is letting well, go of the outcome, you can, right? You can, you can have results and expectations for how you want something to go. The difference is, is are you attached to those? But I thought expectations were the cause of all suffering. If they come from the mind. 
Like, so if I'm sitting in a business meeting, give me, yeah, give me an example. If I'm sitting in a business meeting and we have to sit down and we're saying, okay, we're laying out a new strategic plan to open up this new division. Yeah. We have an expectation for how that's going to go about, but I'm let, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm attached to it. I need that. It needs to be this certain way. I'm right. Like it's, there's none of that personal garbage that's involved with that decision-making process. But as a group, you can still have a, a result. You can still have an expectation that you're going after. But then once you actually come up with the expectation, that's when you let go. Phil Jackson gives the greatest example of this in his book, right? Um, When he talks about how we would prepare, we would do everything that we could in practice. We would practice as hard as we could, put a lot of recovery time. And the minute we got into the game, we let go of the outcome. So they had an expectation going in there. They wanted to win. But then when you let go of the outcome of whether or not you win or not, allows you to play the game the highest level you can play. Right, because that always goes in my mind to goal setting in business. Yes, there's nothing wrong with goal. You need goals. We need to. Yeah, you need to. Well... So yeah. remember the people, well, you can use need in that term. I know. It's, yeah. That's why people get so confused when they're on this path is that they, they say like, well, so I'm supposed to be passive. I'm supposed to be inactive. I'm not supposed to have decisions. No, it's none of that. Actually, those decisions in like the, the Gita, which I'm here, I'm hearing being referenced more and more in business settings, which is like the Bible in, in India, essentially. If you go read that book, it talks all about activity. It's all about business and, and their business back then, or they had a war back then. And, and, and Krishna is talking to Arjuna, um, and basically what, what he said, Krishna is the, is the, uh, is the God essentially that he's, that he's, that he's working through. And he said, they're in this big battle. Right. And he said, he's, if I go and slay these people, then they're like my cousins and different people. And I'm being forced to do this. So he's in this big kind of controversy of what was going to happen. Right. And basically his spirit guide essentially comes in when he's, he's talking the whole time says, no, you have to do this activity. It's all part of this process. And you should just go read it because it's, it talks a lot about the, the activity and you can relate this to business about being laser focused on it. But then as you're, as you're focused on it, you're letting go of the personal need for something to be a certain way after you set it in motion. And that's the key. So that goes, so we're, we can bring this back into now we've prepped there for, for conscious communication. So, however, when you're going to go in and you're going to, you're going to go lead a meeting, you're going to go lead a group that you're giving that example, any communication. I mean, how often, I mean, business is communication and decision-making and decision-making. That's really all all that you, that's what you're doing. (laughs) Whether you're an individual, an employee or a leader, you're consciously talking. So as a kind of that background there, when you come into a conversation like this morning, I wanted to go in and we had a conversation briefly about some things that needed to be prepared. I didn't go in there and say, I'm pissed off about this. How come it's there? I was just very, here's exactly what the situation is and here's how I'd like to see it fit. And this is what we need to do. So there's going to have to, there's times when things don't go, that don't, don't go right the way you want them to, or that people aren't doing the same things that you've set out to do. And so when those things come up, what you do is you get clear first. That's the first, that's what you have to do. Because if you walk in there from defensive position, it's going to come across that way. And what are some things to do to get clear? Three, two, one, relax, um, which is we've taught before, which is just three, two, one, relax and breathe out. The Dalai Lama, by the way, in his book of joy, they asked him, they said, do you ever get frustrated? And he said, well, of course I do. And they said, well, how do you deal with that? And he goes, well, it's very simple. I just take a sacred pause. And I've used, looked at it as like the sacred gratitude pause or the sacred pause, which all, and then what, then what he goes on to talk about is he just says the sacred pause is so that frustrated feeling can move past me. Mm-hmm. Then I respond. 
because in the, like people feel like when you, when you reach personal growth or consciousness or, you know, higher states of, of involvement that all of a sudden like things just go away and like, you have no problems. They're just challenges. They're challenges because they're not problems necessarily anymore, but there's still a bunch of stuff you have to deal with. It doesn't all of a sudden get easier for you. They're still show up. Planes delayed, right? Things don't go the, the way you want it to in business. All of these things are going to show up no matter what level you're at. The difference is how you can respond to them mm-hmm. and how you interact with them. That's what consciousness means is that you're just interacting. So conscious communications, I'm interacting whatever communication I need to from the highest place that I can interact, which means that I'm not reacting from a a negative or even a positive state. Because if you go into one meeting and it's absolutely, you just kicked it out of the park and you had the best goals and you're just roaring high, the next meeting, you could overpromise things. I mean, I've done that. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've come in and you're feeling so, oh, it's amazing. Oh, we'll go invest into this product. Oh, 20 grand, 30 grand, 100 grand, fine, we'll do that. And then all of a sudden, a week later, you're like, oh, man, that wasn't the greatest decision. Mm, yeah. Because you're, you're, you've now just only seeing the positive was what's going to happen. And so in either case, that's why consciousness means that I'm not going to be pulled in from the high part. And at the same time, I'm not going to pull in from the low part. So you just breathe through and stay neutral, stay neutral, then act, then interact with whatever conversation that you have to have. But the key is that that sacred pause that Dalai Lama talks about. And I want people to hear this. It's that part where you pause for a second and you let the emotion that just hits you work through it because where did it, 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 it wasn't there a second ago right? You're totally fine. All of a sudden somebody says something and the mind goes boo. And now all of a sudden you feel irritated or anger or jealousy or insufficient or inadequate or really excited or really excited or really powerful or that I'm the best person ever. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give you, and then from there in either one of these emotions, you yeah. let them go through. Yes. Then you take a step and act. And that's all consciousness is, is you're not getting caught up. Your being is not being attached to any emotion. You still experience the motion. You're not pushing it away. Consciousness is, I see it. I recognize it's there. I'm going to pause. I'm going to walk through it. And then I'm going to respond. And what I said earlier before, before we got on the show, there may be a day, and let's be mature about this, that you come in and you just can't shake the motion. Like there's mm-hmm. something that's just, that you're just in a pissed off mood, right? And you're just frustrated. And if you have some big, important decisions, push them. Don't make them from that spot. Sleep on it. Wait till the next day. Because think about how many times people have made decisions in business only to wake up the next morning and go, okay, it's not going to like derail my entire life. It's not like those, but like, man, I could have made this decision better. Right. Or why did I commit myself to that one? And I didn't really want to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I actually think I, I, you know, I like to be contrarian sometimes, but (laughs) I'm, I just also think like of some, you just got engaged or you, you know, you just get like amazing news and Mm -hmm. same thing. Sometimes you can be overly to your point, you might go in and like commit yourself to things and invest in things and end up not firing somebody that you were supposed to fire that day because exactly. you were on such a high. Exactly. Um, and so even in those high, high states, you may want to think about yeah. pushing meetings or just taking a day, celebrating, and then yeah. moving on. Yeah, that's not contrarian at all. That's exactly what we're saying. It's yeah. just typically 90% of people are responding negatively. Yeah. I mean, that's why that's why we typically go there because most people are responding from that, that more negative spot. So in conscious communication, it's first that I pause and if I can't shake it, push it. And then it doesn't mean you can't work, just do stuff until you do it. Or if you have a meeting and you're like, I can't do this right now. I'm, I'm feeling really rushed. I get this a lot, right? I just don't have time. And then you start rushing decisions. Like you're trying to catch up in every single meeting. Mm-hmm. That's when it might be like, I'm going to go cancel this meeting. I'm going to go for a little walk. And I'm going to come back 
and then I'm going to deal with this next meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend this hour meeting that I just had, I'm just going to throw it out and I'm going to go collect myself. Mm-hmm. And what does that even mean? I think <laughs> you it- don't, you actually like pick up your pieces of you. Yeah. What it means is that you come back to the seat of self. Yeah. I was going to say just like recenter your energy or. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like you're just recentering you. The yin and the yang is all about that. Right. There's a yin and yang force that are always positive and negative, if you will. And the place to operate is in the middle. It's the Tao. It's the middle way. That's what this whole, they, they wrote about this thing 2000 years ago. I know. And this is now we're starting to realize, but we're putting it in the, in the business practices because I think most people in business go, well, this can't apply to business. And this is what I still hear. It's like, this can't apply to business because I have to make all these decisions and I have this communication. I have to fire people, I have to hire people. I go, no, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you will actually become better in business. You'll become a, think about this. I, I, I've given this people in business like this, like little carrot. It's like you become an absolute fierce competitor in the business world when you're egoless and fearless. I don't mean fearless being stupid. I mean that you're just, you're egoless. So there's no ego behind anything. And you're fearless and to the extent where you're not paralyzed by making big decisions or big um uh, initiatives because of fear. Elon Musk isn't tied up around fear, right? Mm-hmm. Or Steve Jobs wasn't either. They just did it because they wanted to. Now I'm not saying those guys are enlightened or consciousness. I'm just saying that they were fearless in that way. And so when you can operate from that place of consciousness, there is no fear because you're already whole. You're already, f- you're being fed from that energy that you talked about, like recentering your energy, mm-hmm. that energy stronger than anything you can get from outside. Therefore, the only thing to do is to interact with the world but from that place of consciousness, not from the emotional state that most people are operating from. The thing is, is that most people don't even realize, like they, they're at like a negative six, but then sometimes they go to a negative eight. When they go back to a negative six, they go, no, I'm fine. Well, you're fine compared to where you were or when you compare it to somebody else or when you're watching Judge Judy or whatever it is that you're doing or people around you, because that's what we do. Well, I'm in a better state than that person is. Yeah, it's still not a higher state. You can still play at that level. Yes, and maybe you're relatively okay, better than that person, but you're still not tapping into the universal intelligence of where consciousness comes from. What makes you? I mean, just stop and think. There's like a, you just were created and just were just created. I don't know how else to say that. Like, I understand the mechanics of how people are made, but like you literally, something grew you and give you intelligence and give you emotions and grows the world and does all these things. And then we go, but I know how it's supposed to be. Now, I know how to do different things. So you can always ground yourself before you go into any of these communications. Another example of this that I've given before is where we had an individual who was very intelligent in terms of their book smart, and they use that to degrade people, right? And so when one day when I was sitting down to them, I said, dude, where did your intelligence even come from? And they go, well, books, and I'm just smart, and I'm just smart, right? I'm paraphrasing, but, mm-hmm. and I go, yeah, okay, I get it that you can read and you can conceptualize better than other people, but who gave you that ability to actually do that? You didn't you didn't like sign up or pay for it. They're like, no. I'm like, so where did it come from? They're like, I was born with it. I said, okay, well then where did that come from? It came from something other than you. You were given that as a gift. So instead of using that gift to degrade people, why don't you use that gift to lift people up? Mm. And that's what I mean by we're not doing any of this. And that's why when you even said, when you were in the flow talking on, on, on stage, there was a greater source that was just working its way through you. That's the stage where people in, 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 you know, Eckhart Tolle or Ashanti or Michael Singer, and they said they write books from that state. That's what they mean. Like they're just writing. It's not them thinking about it. They're just actually writing because it comes through there.
I actually heard Eckhart Tolle talk recently when he said at some point in time, if this energy or this creative or enthusiasm about speaking ever just went away, I would stop instantly. Not just paraphrase the, well, the last sentence of what he said there, but he basically just said, if this, if there was ever a, a sense where I was just no longer needed from consciousness to work through me, I would just disappear. Right. And then maybe it would just work through him in a different way. Different way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think, and Michael Singer talks about that a lot. He's like, I worked through me in, in, in business and then it moved me to writing a couple books and, and he creating, doesn't really. creating his temple and yes, creating like he just. Exactly. And he doesn't ways. really do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't try to go out there and reach the world. He doesn't try to go out there and get the most views on social media. He doesn't even do interviews, right? He's, mm-hmm. He does like two or three that he's done. And every, everything else, he, it's like 50 or 60 people that come to his temple every week. And that's it. He doesn't want any more. He doesn't, if they came, that'd be fine. He's not going out there to do that because he's not drawn to do that. There's not a pull or push for him to do those things. And so decision-making and consciousness comes down to this. Am I in a spot right now? And you know honestly, whether you should be making these decisions. Are you in a clear spot, the clearest you can be now? And if you're not, pause, three, two, one, relax, breathe. Now, I will also say there should be proactive nature to all of this, meaning that you should some form of gratitude journal, right? I mean, it's cliche to say, but that they, works. It gets you outside of these things, right? When you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. Yes. Because when you are focused on what you have, you, there's no need for anything else. Mm-hmm. So therefore you just gain it because you don't need it. Right. And that's why I think people can always focus on that from a gratitude standpoint, right? So the gratitude helps you with that. It helps put you in a better state. I think any form of meditation or whatever that is, there's a whole bunch of different forms that are out there. And here's the thing. Meditation is such an overused word. Meditation is, to me is just self-inquiry. And what does self-inquiry mean? It just means that I'm just going deeper inside. I'm introspective, right? I'm actually asking and following what Velcroed me, what thoughts I'm listening to. It's almost, I see meditation as a way of seeing through your own BS, right? It's like you can, a meditation is that, okay, I'm far enough aback that I see my mind talking and telling me these stories and what should, what should happen and what shouldn't happen. I'm just not going to buy any of that. And so you get to a certain place where meditation allows you to get out of being unconscious through that. Cause that consciousness is consciousness is just listening is not listening to that mind. So meditation helps you with that practice of that technique. Look like you're going to ask a question. Um, it sounds like you're saying during meditation, you ask yourself questions, but I don't think that's. No, I, I don't, but I think meditation can be used. That's why I think it's people think of meditation is only as when you're stopped and doing this, you can do this in the car. So all of a sudden, like a, a thought Velcros you, right? What I mean by Velcro just means it, it throws you for like all of a sudden you're, you're driving, you're fine. All of a sudden a thought comes out of nowhere, happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you're Velcro to the thought because you're now thinking about the thought, right? So that's what I mean by Velcro. So you just Velcro to this thought. And now all of a sudden, instead of going with the thought, you can be meditative and go, huh, I wonder why this thing just Velcroed me. I wonder why this pulled me out of my just being perfectly fine. And this random thought came in about how I wasn't doing something good enough. And now I feel like inadequate. Got it. So you're using meditative in this sense as um, curiosity. Yes. It's just self inquiry. Yeah. Okay. As to why that pulled me out of this state that I was in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when you say, got to put myself together. It's recentering your state. So conscious communication is all about are you conscious first? Are you centered? Are you in a place to be able to have the conversation? If not, be mature, do whatever you need to do to make sure that you have that and then move on. Decision-making is the same thing. If you're, 
if you're over fatigued on decision, which is a real thing, then maybe you should pause till the next morning, right? I think, what is it? Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, one of those guys only makes decisions from basically like 10 to noon in the, in the, in the, in the morning. And mm-hmm. then after that, he defers any other big decisions till 10 to noon till the, the next, next day. day. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of like, has been his kind of model for his life of, I make the best decisions and I have the highest probability of making the best decisions between 10 and two. So therefore, why not make all my big decisions during that time? And so there's little things like that, right? That you can, that you can be conscious of, that you can put models in place. The other thing that I, I heard, um, that I thought was like, there can be inputs and outputs, like a, a low measure and a high measure of things that you want to do throughout a day. So maybe it's like, okay, I am, you know, only going to make a certain number of really big decisions in a day. Right. And maybe that's two decisions in a day that two big decisions, everything else I'm mm-hmm. going to defer, or maybe I'm only going to work on one project this week until that's done. I'm not going to try to add anything else on there until that's actually focused and done and moved on. So I can actually have the bandwidth to go add something else on. So there's a lot of things we can do. And that's just being conscious of, do I actually have the bandwidth to make these decisions? Right. And that's kind of in that decision-making ability. But in the end, it all comes down to, are you letting go of some personal need from any of these things? Are you conscious in the point where you're not listening to your mind and you're centered enough to actually make the clearest and best decision for you and your team? At our company, we often talk about having radical conversations. So what does that... What does it mean to you? Well, it means being clear, concise, yes, honest, transparent, vulnerable, curious, staying out of judgment, staying neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, being open-minded. Yeah, it's awesome. That, that's what it comes. Yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. So then, how do you do that? Exactly. Which is what we just talked about, right? Okay. All of what the the whole, you know, these these we can get into like the tactics of how you do things, but I want people to understand the framework for all of it comes back to: Are you centered? Because you can have ra- the only way you can have radical conversations if you don't go into a meeting wanting to be right or needing to be right. Because if you go into a radical conversation wanting to be right, you're not going to be any of those things that you just said. Mm-hmm. So then we go back and do those tactics that we talked about. Go for the walk. Make sure we meditate before we enter into those meetings where with our ego. Yeah, really. and, and the first thing you can do is if you don't want to add all those components, you can just make sure before you walk into the meeting, you just go, <gasps> just start yeah, with that. Yeah. The simplest of things. Remind yourself that you're spinning around on a planet and you can handle any conversation. Yeah, sometimes it the is really simplest just reminding things. yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. Like, okay, I'm about to walk into the conversation. Like before, this morning you walked in here, I said, I'm just going to take a little deep breath. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to just break some ice and like, let's just, let's just go. Where does vulnerability become a liability in business? I think vulnerability becomes a liability when there isn't strength behind it. And I think that's where, meaning that you can be vulnerable as to where you are now. Mm-hmm. But the strength comes to where you're going. Right. Because it's so easy to say, okay, truth, transparency. Great. I'm just going to tell our entire company that we are losing money and yeah, about to $500,000 yeah. yes. in debt. And we're probably yes. going to have to let people go. And, yeah. and that's tr- certainly vulnerable. Yes. But I, is that the best way to lead and communicate? Well, you can, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable, right? So you can just basically say, Hey, we're having some financial troubles right now in the organization. Our focus for the next 30 days is to do these things to put us back onto a place for profitability. And so you do that instead of being like, it's not going to work. Like, this is like, this is the example. It's like, oh my God, we're failing. It's not going to do this. How am I going to write these checks out? The mind can start Velcroing you to all these different thoughts instead of being clear and going, Hallie, we're having some financial trouble. 
here's the things that we're going to do to make sure we're doing this and we're going to let the company know. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise some the other stuff, it becomes that drama and distract, yes. distractions and then, and then it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to fail. Yeah. Living authentically or having authentic conversations just means that I'm not, I'm not reiterating what the mind is telling me. I'm acting to what the highest and best use of what the situation can be right now. For instance, like when you're, when people, cause people think like they have this badge about walking around like authentically, like, Hey, I'm authentic. So I can tell you what I think that, that is the complete opposite of what that means. It doesn't mean like, I don't like the way you're wearing these right, things. Like no I filter. They no think filter. authentic yes. means no filter. It's like, I can say what I want. I can, I have a badge to act the way I want to. Right. Because I'm being authentic. <laughs> that's if you if you're saying that mm-hmm. that's all ego. Right. That's all. If you're saying that, it's all ego. Being authentic means that you're being conscious, which means that you're not listening to the story and then acting from that story. Because the the mind will go, oh no, you're you're allowed to operate that way. You you operate that way. You can be short with people because that's how you do it, and that's the way you. And you go, see, I told you, I can be authentic because I don't like to write out these sentences, and this is the way I'm supposed to be. And I'm just I'm just really fast, and I just do right. And that's the story people get into. That's not authenticity. Authenticity is, is literally seeing through the BS of that story and then operating in every, yeah, I was just going to say, and just being really egoless, fearless, and true, yes, true, aligned with your true nature and operating from that space. And that's where radical conversations come from. Yeah. Um, do you want to maybe go through the decision-making framework real quick? I think that that can be a helpful, um, very tactical framework for how to put this into action when you're making tough decisions. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through it? Okay. Well, the first one is centering yourself and getting clarity, Mm -hmm. which we've discussed. Then you want to go to number two. Sure. So number two is determine the ideal long-term outcome that you're looking for. What is that? Right. That's what we talk about. What is the result? What is the long-term outcome? And always play the long-term gay game. Three triangular information. (laughs) Yeah. Triangular information. I think that's such an important one because that is where some of these radical conversations come into play. Um, that's where conscious, I don't, I don't even know if that's the right term, but consciously like listening mm-hmm. to people comes into play and, um, and knowing that there's three sides, sometimes more to every story. So you yeah. have to stay really neutral when you're hearing, um, all this input from various sources before you make a decision as a leader. Well, triangle information. So the decision-making framework, one, center yourself and get clarity. We've talked a lot about that. Number two, determine the long-term, long-term outcome that you're looking for, whether personal or in business. This time, it could be the long-term goal. It could be a year out. It could be a month out. Or it could be a week out, depending on typically long-term is probably 30 days. Like, hey, what do I want the next 30 days or quarter to look like? Determine that long-term outcome, then start building backwards from there. Triangle, triangulating information for a decision-making framework Everyone knows this, whether you're leading somebody or not, or if you have kids or if you have just friends that you've talked with, like how many times have you gone into a business situation where Holly comes in and says, you know, Joe over here is acting this way. And I'm going, man, I can't believe Joe would do that. Then I go talk to Joe and Joe's going, well, Holly actually over here and and they're kind of, they're not already pointing fingers, but they're saying a different side of it. And then I go Mm -hmm. talk to Corey and Corey says, well, that's not the way I saw it, but they're all right. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. Nobody's wrong. You're just all right in a different sense. Right. I'll give you an example. I'm building a house right now and there was a mistake on it. And so I went to the, I went to the architect and I said, Hey, this seems to be your responsibility. He said, no, it's the trust company. So mm-hmm. I went and had a trust company and trust company said, well, no, we missed that. Cause it was over here because they didn't get us this. And then I went to the framer and the framer said, no, they over here were supposed to give me this. And that's why it didn't operate that way. And so at the end of the day, they were all right, but all wrong. I actually said to him and I go, here's the thing that's funny is I'm going to have to be responsible for this because at 90, you're all 90% wrong. <laughs> 
So actually, that's a great example. Then you took all that information. What was the decision you made from that, there? That um, I couldn't hold anybody 100% accountable to it. Mm, right. Because not, and yeah, no, there was no one really to it wasn't blame. exactly blame, but yes. Yeah, there was no one easily to to financially to correct own, it, right? Or to take ownership. Like I of said, it. it's like you were all ninety percent wrong, not a hundred. Yes, and so you had to take ultimate ownership. Exactly. Of it. Well, it's not a perfect leadership lesson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, but I went through all of them. And they're all because they're all like, no, 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 it's the trust company. And the trust company knows the architect or the framer. Yeah. <laughs> and I taught the framer. And the framer is like, no, 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 I got this from them. And and everyone had a little bit. And of, everyone, everyone yeah. had their own truths. Yeah. They had their own truths, and the reality is, they were all right. Yeah. And so it, did you do anything specific before you, in those situations that, you know, before well, you I just acted? got clear. Yeah. The same thing we did. I just, I just got clear. Did you email or, or call for that when you had that I actually talked to all of them via phone. I okay. emailed them okay. first yeah. and then I said, let's set up a call and we set up a call and have the conversation. Mm. And so then we could work through those things. Okay. But that's the same way with whether you're, you have kids, they have different sides of every story. If you have kids, it's clear as day. Like talk to one kid and they're like, yeah, this happened over here. Another kid is over there. You have people in business that are just your colleagues see something differently because mm-hmm. you're going, I can't believe that person would do that. Right. Or I'll give you another example of this. Yeah. We have friends going through divorce right now. Right. And, uh, and we're friends with both on both sides. And like you, you hear, you know, totally drastically different mm-hmm. <laughs> things that are happening in their relationship from one, from from the, uh, the, from the guy and from the girl who was talking to both Sarah and I, right. Just to so hearing two different sides to that. And we don't get into, I don't get involved and in I just listen and support. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. But it's just really interesting to hear that, right. Just to hear the two totally different sides. And it's funny cause Sarah and I both go like, well, you know, they're both wrong and they're both right. Oh, well, of course. That's yeah. just what we said. They're like, they're both wrong and they're both right. Well, I actually see in business where a lot of that co- at least in my opinion, yes, there's a lot of that that goes on too. Like this person said this, this person said this, but it's actually from almost more from a positive perspective. Like you have your CFO giving you really concrete numbers and data and they have a specific agenda and they have um, their interpretation of how, you know, this next initiative should roll out. Then you've got your director of marketing who's like, let's go spend you know, $20,000 on this new initiative and whatever, because they see it from that perspective and what, how great, that um, investment would be. Meanwhile, your, C- your CFO is like, eh, I don't know about that. And then you might have a director of ops who's like, this is not going to work at all, no matter what we do. Um, so again, I just think it's really important because ultimately all those people are trying to give you, the leader, the best information for you to then make exactly. a concrete decision from. Yeah. So then you analyze that information, yes. keeping the long-term goal in mind. Um, the the next part of this decision framework is then making that decision and then communicating that decision very clearly to all of the key stakeholders. And then ultimately they may communicate it to throughout the organization, or maybe depending on what the decision is, the leader may have to communicate that by an email or company meeting or something like that. But just being really, really clear on the communication is the, the fourth step. And then the fifth step is refocus the team and execute, right? So once you've made the decision and you want to move forward, you refocus the team and execute. And that's just providing clarity, providing the vision, anything that you need to be doing from either from the leader, from the employee, from the chief of staff, whatever, you just, you're refocusing the team and you're executing on the vision of what needs to happen. Yeah. Giving them very specific targets to, yes. to move forward because now you've made a decision like we're going to go, okay, the decision has been made. We're going to go do this new marketing initiative and we're going to spend $15,000. But then the various team members need to get very clear about what is their part in it? What do they need to execute on and by when? Yes. So just getting them really clear and excited about the future and excited about this. is This framework I think is especially beneficial when it's a more difficult mm-hmm. decision that impacts either team members, divisions, budgets, 
potential raise it. I mean, it, yeah. it, I mean, it helps in any case, but particularly I think in those, those tougher decisions where you have to be even more, I mean, you should always be conscious, but you've got to be like, make sure you're really conscious in these, well, these, yeah, absolutely. And then you, you know, you kind of bring that framework into emails and zooms, which are such a popular thing right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in a, when you're in a meeting and you say something that's not quite there, you can kind of rework it mm-hmm. to make sure people understood or, or do something along those lines and emails, you gotta be really careful with what you write. Right. So, um, you know, Michael Singer is a great example of this when he ran 1300 employees, he was like every single email that I wrote, I wrote as if this was going to end up on the front page of the wall street journal. And how could it be interpreted? That mm. was his kind of way of being conscious for every email that he wrote. And that was mm. the advice that he given and that was given. And he used that for every single framework. And so that he was very conscious in every email that he had. He even uses the line of like, he would double check the attachment that he had double check to reply to all that he had or who was supposed to be on it and who wasn't. And so he just became very conscious of each email that he was sending thinking as if, and I've never forgot about that, right? Thinking about like, because that's the thing. It's not a big deal until it is. Right. And somebody grabs that and then puts that, I mean, we see the media do this with politicians all the time. They grab things that are way out, whether you agree with them or not agree with them, they grab things from either side mm-hmm. and blow them way out of proportion to their benefit. Right. Yeah. And that's what would happen in these things. So you got to be able to figure out that email to go up there on, you know, in the wall, in the front of the front page of the wall street journal, because that's all we do is send text messages and emails, make sure those aren't just, I need to get, I need to get this out quickly and try to erase it. Yeah. And so, yes, or it comes I, from anger or frustration exactly. or you're or, not, no, 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 not even anger, frustration, just speed. Oh, okay. for me, for yeah. me personally, yeah. sometimes I'm like, I just want to get through this email to get it out of my inbox. Yeah. Well, to, yeah, to me, and that's not like conscious negative energy. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. Yes. it's just like this, like, and so sometimes yeah. like, okay. And then I just delete the email because <laughs> then, <laughs> well, it's better than actually responding from it, from a place of that. And then yeah. it'll come back around if I need to, and I'll handle it from that standpoint. Sure. So to be very careful with email communication right now, you just got to be, you should think about is every email that you're drafting just and again, I get it that some of them can be faster than others. Yes. I understand that. And it depends on who your audience and who is. Who your audience is yeah. and who the person is, but still, if we just, so if, if, just up everything. So if one usually takes you 30 seconds, take it 40 seconds. If one usually takes you 30 minutes, maybe take 35 minutes, right? So that's the, just up everything just a little bit more consciously. Reread the email at least once. I have actually put that into play when we were preparing for all consciousness at work. That's one of the things that I remembered him talking about. And I was like, okay, I'm going to actually start doing that more. Mm. And so I reread my emails more important. And I actually save emails that I, that I had this, this urge to want to get it done. And I'm like, I'm going to let that urge go. And I'm tomorrow morning when I have an hour to do this, I'm going to write the email out because I know if I don't, I'm going to try to rush it and I may get the email through there, but I may miss the word or something that I'm like, it's too important not to. Mm. So I pause, get clear, and then set us at a time when I need to be able to write this, that I know I can actually take the time to be conscious enough to write this. Um, and, and for any of those things, and it's just how you, and also this is something that is not talked about a lot in work, but what about how you walk through the office, right? Or how do you walk into a meeting? Mm-hmm. It's things that I try to think about consciously as a leader or as you as a leader. If I am just irritated or anger and I get out of my office and walk to the bathroom, just, just people feel that. Yeah. And so before I leave my office door, I kind of like, Hey, there's who knows who's going to be out here. So I try to take a deep breath, no matter what's going on in my life, recenter myself. And so when I'm walking, I can be present. That person has nothing to do with how I'm feeling. Right. So if you see somebody there like, mom, oh, it's awesome. Hey, hi, how are you doing? Right. You don't have to sit there and talk to them for five minutes, but you can be pre- pleasant with them, right? So in walking to a meeting, sometimes it's time to get right into it. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe there's some energy that you just need to kind of diffuse. So you just, you just talk for a second, 
So just trying to be conscious of, of all of these things as you're walking and interacting in the world, it's particularly in business. Two other really good examples of tactics you can do. When you, when you come into the office, and we've taught this a lot, but when you come into the office, you drive in there, or if you walk into your computer at home, right, whatever it is, mm-hmm. before you start your day, just a quick reminder that I'm not here to get anything from anybody whether you have employees, whether you have clients, whether you have bosses that I'm trying to get something from, it doesn't matter. You're not, you're not trying to get anything. You're coming here to contribute. You're coming here to serve. It doesn't mean you allow people to walk over you. It doesn't mean you be passive. I'm not talking about that. But you first center yourself and say, I'm here to contribute. That's my starting position. And you hold that coming through there. Then throughout the day, when you're about to pick up your phone, you're about to write an email, when you walk through an office door, when you walk through the hallway, when you walk into the bathroom, when you walk into a meeting, you're in that split two to three seconds, you're pausing and going, I'm going to breathe and I'm going to show up the best I can show up right now. And that's just a quick little mantra you can do. Three, two, one, relax. You can have a little self-talk. You're directing the mind, mm-hmm. right? So you're using the mind to work to get it better okay in there. So you're clear. And so if you work on these things, that's, that is how we show up consciously at work. You're not going to get it right every time. It's not going to be perfect. But I'm telling you, if you operate that consistently. I was going to say, just practice. And just practice yeah, that just as practice. much as you can. You will, oh, it'll be amazing. The places that you wanted to go, you'll get there faster. Right. But then you won't need to be there. <laughs> and, and so that'll happen that way. So those are the practices that we can really put into play to bring conscious communication and decision making to work. At the end of the day, though, it all comes down to am I operating and am I communicating and my decision making? Is it clear? Is it conscious? Is it, is it the best decision that I can make with what I have right now in my capacity? And am I clear enough to be making this decision? If the answer is yes, make it. If the answer is no, pause, take that sacred pause, breathe, make it the next day, and then move on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us today at Consciousness at Work series. Since it's work and money has something to do with work, right? (laughs) We're going to be, and we love to give and contribute. We're going to be giving away $5,000 in a review challenge. Hallie, tell us the details. Yeah, if you've been thinking about um, leaving us a review, but you haven't yet, now is a great time to do that because we are giving away $5,000. All you have to do is two things. One, go to our website and sign up for the Consciousness at Work series at adamhergenrother.com slash consciousness at work. And then the second part is going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review. If you do those two things, you'll be entered to win $5,000. Love it. 